Now, Will, this is important because now we can officially say for guaranteed certain that there has been cannibalism on this show. This podcast features explicit language and spoilers. Hello, and welcome to Better Late Than Hannibal, a Hannibal podcast where I invite Will to watch Hannibal and determine if it is better Hannibal or Hannibal. My name is Hannibal, and this is our third and final installment of the series. Or is it? Watching the final three episodes of season one of Hannibal. Will! How's it Hannibal? It's Hannibal to be here. Oh, that's that's just Hannibal. Well, I'm thrilled to have you. Uh, here we are at the end. I didn't realize that Hannibal had the same syntax logic as the Smurfs, but I'm here for it. It totally, all things do, if you really drill down deep enough. <laughs> Don't they really, though? <laughs> uh-huh. Right down to the fact that there's, there's just one female. That's right. Lady That's Hannibal. Right. Lady Hannibal. <laughs> Took a weird turn these last three episodes. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Papa Hannibal. Um, there's one other quick thing. We got to knock out just uh, housekeeping wise off the top, which is that um, since we started doing this episode, um, Eddie Izzard, who is a frequent uh, recurring character actor on the show has uh, announced that she is now using uh, exclusively female pronouns. And that wasn't the case when we started, but is the case now. So we're going to respect that. But uh, the character of Dr. Abel Gideon is a male character. So I think We'll just go ahead and refer to Dr. Gideon as a male character, as a he going forward. I think Dr. That's... Gideon is definitely a male. And when we're discussing the context of the show in which we're discussing the fictional character, I mean, I know there's a little gray area in going back and forth, but we'll do our best, I think, is what we're trying to get across. Yeah, yeah, I think I think we're cool there. So anyway, just getting that out off the top. And uh, yeah, so... Here we are at the end of the series, and oh, this is where all that serialization starts to pay off. All that groundwork has been laid, all that foundation has been set up, and now, now it all all those fireworks start to explode. What did you think? 
Well, uh, that is what's happening, what has happened and what is happening. I mean, there's more seasons to come. So this wasn't wrapping up everything. Um, But you definitely could see, you know, uh, as you were saying, it leads up to a finale. That's the whole idea. And that's uh, what we just witnessed. Yeah. I mean, in a way, though, it kind of tells a complete full story. You know, when it aired, I forget even if they'd announced that a season two was going to come out. I think they designed this with the idea in mind that they won't necessarily get uh, a second season. So if this has to be just a one season wonder, this would be a satisfying finale, you know, and I think it works that way. Right. I agree with that. I think that um, that's pretty common in tv shows like this where they're not sure if they're going to be renewed so they create some sense of closure but there's still a larger story that is there to explore should they have the opportunity yeah 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 and i just i love the hannibal finale i think it's one of i think the season one finale of hannibal is one of the most perfect finales I've ever seen. And I guess we'll get to whether or not you agree, but I think the final five minutes of it are just some of the most flawless I've ever seen. It took my breath away. The first time I saw it, I was in awe of it. And it's a big part of why I love this show so much. And it wasn't only because Hannibal took your lungs out to uh, make dinner. I mean, that's a big part of it. Yeah. You know, here I am walking around with a donor set. They got me Dr. Chilton's lungs. Nice. We'll get into that, too. Oh, my God. Yeah, we will. Okay, so let's just dive right into what happened, because a shitload does. Episode 11, Roti. I'm I'm totally going to lose it with these French pronunciations here. (laughs) So as we left off in the previous installment, Dr. Chilton, that incompetent ass, has been accused of influencing Dr. Gideon. And that is especially obvious now that it is clear that the Chesapeake Ripper is obviously still out there running around. Hannibal recommends that he deny everything. uh, And he suggests that, um, you know, by the way, Dr. Chilton, you know, psychic driving often fails because this process lacks subtlety uh subjects will often push back once they realize they're being influenced and i'm kind of like duh dude people don't like other people fucking with their heads but well that's where hannibal's the master at it you know because it's don't think of an elephant right but you got to be several steps ahead of that well hannibal's more kind of like what do you think of an elephant (laughs) what do you think of an elephant will why don't we go look at an elephant together? Yes. Does the elephant have tusks? Uh, uh, what do you think of tusks? What do you think of the differences between an African elephant and an Indian elephant? Do and you a think pink you elephant an elephant will? Yeah. Speaking of Will, Will looks like shit. Oh, he looks terrible. I mean, it's still that heroin chic, like he's a very handsome man, but... Oh. Yeah, he's got the he's got the, uh, you know, stubble and he's got the gaunt look like he's about to die of something. But, you know, still very fuckable. I thought that, too. I was looking at him and I was like, he's so handsome. (laughs) I was looking at he's got, you know, he's got the like classic big feet BDE energy thing. I was looking at him. I was like, damn, he's good looking. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. 
No wonder Claire Danes went for this guy. <sighs> All right. Enough treating Will like a piece of meat. Uh, God, Hannibal treats him like a piece of meat in more ways than one. So uh, Dr. Gideon is heading off to court. And I got to say, I so I have a law degree, but I am not a practicing attorney at the moment. So take my comments with a grain of salt. But I do not think that a patient who is suing his jailer slash psychiatrist should be allowed to chat with him while he is on his way to court to testify against him. Like I, it took me out of the episode a little bit at that point as well, because you just have those two extras who are playing the cops and they're just like standing there, like waiting, like, okay, I guess we'll just stand here till you guys are done with your little chat. It seemed a little <laughs> not real. Well, they work for Chilton. I guess, but uh, I what do you want us to do with them, boss? <laughs> no, just just stand there. Don't don't speak any lines, because then you'd be have to be paid more yep. uh, under union rules. But I mean, yep. just stand there looking grim until we're finished this dialogue. A death gargle does not count as a line. As I alluded to just there, Dr. Gideon uh, manages to break out. He gets out of his confinement doing the old dislocate your thumb trick. Mm, that old canard, which I don't think works, by the way. Really? I was playing around with my thumb as I was watching these episodes because it comes back again uh, later. It does. And I, um, I, I've been in handcuffs a few times in my life. Um mm. Yeah, uh, you know, once was uh, I was mouthing off to a police officer and he took me and my friend into custody and we didn't end up being charged with anything. They just decided to, you know, the, this is my closest brush with the law, which is pretty weak. But um, yeah, I was put in handcuffs and I remember being in handcuffs and thinking, like, could I do that thing where I just kind of like break my thumb and get out of here? And it's like, no, you cannot. That's not, it doesn't work that way. You can't just do that. Well, maybe you just lacked the the you know the will to 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 actually go for it you know yeah maybe you gotta be you gotta be one of these super people that we're watching um maybe i'm just not super enough that could be exactly yeah we're not dealing with mere mortals on this show all right well anyway so gideon is having a a whole kind of mental dance now about his identity as the Chesapeake Ripper. He doesn't really believe that he is that anymore, obviously, but he's having a bit of an identity crisis. And the crime scene suggests as much because it's all dressed up very much in a Chesapeake Ripperish way. Will, meanwhile, he uh, is at the crime scene. He's doing really, really bad. He admits to Hannibal that he doesn't feel like himself. He feels like he's somebody else. Indeed, he feels like he's crazy, which thematically fits because that is exactly what happened to Dr. Gideon. Somebody got inside Gideon's head and moved all the furniture around, which how awful a thing to have happened to you. But Hannibal's all like, don't worry, Will. I, Hannibal Lecter, am here to keep you steady. Yes, you're in good hands. Don't worry. 
Oh my god, it's it's getting pretty awful to watch, actually. I, JFK Jr., am here to ensure safe landing of your aircraft. Oh my god, Will. I know, that was a weird pull, sorry. <laughs> of all the different directions he could have gone with that one. I know, I don't know Not why only weird, but like a little obscure, too. <laughs> all right, I'm leaving it in. Um, so Gideon has been not only pulling the organs out because it's a whole Chesapeake Ripper homage, but he's also scrambling the victim's brains, which oh I got to admit, it's a little on the nose. Yeah. It's a little heavy handed. Uh, um, sure. But I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it's, just, it, it's just, I mean, that's crazy. I, I, uh, I don't know. I wouldn't know where we're there. You can cut that. <laughs> You want me to cut the JFK Jr. thing? No, I'm proud of that one. <laughs> Look, it t- that was like 20 years ago. We're fine. Uh, not according to QAnon. All right. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So, um, they, the, the whole team speculates that Alana might be in danger because Gideon's going after all the psychiatrists that have interviewed him in the past. And Alana, by the way, way too sympathetic to Dr. Gideon's plight throughout this whole thing. Did you mm. notice that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. She's just like, oh, poor Dr. Gideon. I'm like, lady, he has like slaughtered half a dozen people at this point in in gruesome ways. Like, I know he's had some unpleasant things done to him, but Jesus Christ. Yeah. Dr. Gideon kidnaps Freddie Lowndes. And the scene is awesome because we get that cool Colombian necktie bit. It's still moving when mm, she comes on was, in. Yeah. La, 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 la. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny. It was it was humorous. It was gross and it was funny um, and it was a little bit shocking uh, and it was fun. And it was, you know, because I've heard that term before, but I've never actually I never visualized it exactly that way. But I think that's the way it would actually look because the tongue mm-hmm. does go down the throat like that. So if you were to and it would kind of flap down and be like look like a little tie and be flapping back and forth and la 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 and you almost expected him to kind of go up and start doing that little thing to it which would have I mean been a little over the top but I'm glad they ended they they cut it off where it was not cut it, it off but Eddie know. Izzard is hilarious throughout this entire thing it's such a good bit of casting like uh, she has a very um, excellent. Uh, flair for showmanship throughout this whole episode. Mm-hmm. Is there the accent that she is doing? Is it a deliberate? I mean, is there a Buffalo Bill in there deliberately, or was I just reading that into it? Well, I believe I think you've been here in other episodes where I've commented on when british people do american accents there tends to be an extremely nasal gravelly effect to it yeah this is a big part of what i'm talking about uh this this performance uh hugh laurie and house uh benedict cumberbatch as dr strange it's 
something that has cropped up uh, in a particular subset of performances that I particularly noticed here. Yeah, there's definitely that nasal aspect, but I think there's that doesn't there's also seem a, to surprise you. There's also a bit of a cadence in the way that certain words are dropped. Do you know what I mean? Uh, give me an example. Uh, I, I'm not recalling any of the dialogue from the show, but there were definitely some lines where there kind of seems to be like a last sort of word or syllable drop that uh, seemed a little kind of Buffalo Bill, like she a great big fat person. Like uh, I, I'm not, I'm not, I can't do voices well, so it's all in my head. But it, what I'm saying right now makes perfect sense in my head. Sure. So I just want everyone to know that. If I could get to her, then maybe I could know who I am. And it's just, I don't know. There's there's a through line there somewhere. We're just we're not expressing ourselves well, but there's there's something, there's something there. Maybe. We're just we're just bad at uh bad at talking about it. We'll think about it and come back. But what what is expressed well is the crime scene. How's that for a segue? Yeah, the crime scene is very artistic, and it's because I love the way they talk about it. He's peacocking for the Chesapeake Ripper. Yes. It's like bringing him flowers and chocolate before the first date. <laughs> yeah. And in order to lure the Ripper out, he needs bait. And so who better for that than the man who disrespected both of their identities Dr. Chilton mm -hmm. and do it at the observatory. Now, uh, Gideon does it by kidnapping Freddie because he knows he's a reader, but the Ripper's too clever for that. And so what does Hannibal do? It's like way too, it's like no human being is this smart. So he kills a guy the same way. It's the same profile, a psychiatrist who profiled Gideon. It's the same MO, the Colombian necktie. But this one has the missing arm. And that tells the crew where they're hiding at the observatory, the last place they saw a missing arm. Holy shit. <laughs> it's like, who is that smart? Who's There's smart enough to guy. figure it out? Yeah. Also only one guy. <laughs> it's 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 a cool moment though watching it unfold on TV. But this leads to the best scene in the whole episode, which is when Gideon gets up to a little bit of wide awake surgery. Oh man. So I love wide awake surgery. Uh conceptually. <laughs> uh, it is my greatest one of my greatest fears in real life. Mm. Um and there's in particular and I'm not uh, an expert in this, but I've read about it um, <clears throat> where uh, typical anesthesiology or when they put you out, there's actually three different drugs and one of them knocks you out. One of them immobilizes you and one of them inoculates the pain. And there have been some cases yeah. where two of those have worn out off 
and people are completely awake and can feel the pain but are unable to move or say anything yeah yeah and i remember that reading about that and many years ago but it's still just like so fresh in my mind of like that i i can't imagine a worse thing it's the worst nightmare imaginable the worst thing you can imagine yeah but the second part to that where you know two out of the three of the drugs are working but you're awake and you can see what's happening but you can't feel it still incredibly disturbing incredibly disturbing and the way it plays out in this episode where he's basically a human Mr. Potato Head. Um, or the, the what's the surgery game? The um, operation. Operation, yeah. 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 He, ha- he makes him hold his guts. My God. He's just taking out organs. Hey, see this one? <laughs> what's this one called? Stay awake now. I need you to hold some stuff. Jesus. I think that was his kidney. Or his liver. Yeah, I was trying. Out? I was trying to play name that organ, and uh, I, I do believe at one point he's holding the kidney. Yeah, for sure. Fucking hell! It's it's one of the most memorable things, certainly from this season. I you know I spent the whole time as we're rewatching through, being like re- waiting until we got to this scene because I remembered it so well from the first watch through. I just. I mean, just Jesus Christ. I rem- I remembered it from the first time, just being so blown away. And, you know, it's difficult f- to make me feel bad for a character like Chilton, and it's difficult to make me even feel bad for a character like Freddie Lowndes. But when they break in to save everyone, there is a look in her eyes. Uh, like, she's, she's working the oxygen pump to keep him alive. Mm-hmm. And she has a look in her eyes. It's a it's good acting on the part of uh, Lara Jean Chodorowsky. Is her name? Hold on, let me. Lara Jean Chorostecki. It's good acting where she just conveys it with the look on her face that she is fucking disturbed by what she's just had to go through just witnessing it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> fuck. So congratulations, Dr. Gideon. You have done something pretty fucked up. He gets away, though. And so uh, Will follows his nightmare stag off and uh, actually manages to find Dr. Gideon. But unfortunately, Will's having a bit of a break. So he takes Dr. Gideon back to Hannibal's. Will is seeing Garrett Jacob Hobbs. And so this scene I also remembered, and it made a big impression on me. Hannibal sets off a mild seizure in Will. Gideon realizes what's happening here. After Hannibal sets off the mild seizure, Gideon says, that doesn't seem to bother you. I said it was mild. (laughs) And that's when the scene becomes, for I think the first time in the series, Hannibal is full mask off. This is the Chesapeake Ripper. And his line readings from this point on are just so chilling. I mean, as badass as Gideon has been throughout this entire episode, it is so clear that there is no contest between these two men 
you know, he says, uh, are you the man who claimed to be the Chesapeake Ripper? And you just get like chills, you know? It's like, why do you say claimed? Because you're not. You know you're not, and you don't know much more about who you are beyond that. And you're, oh God, it, it's like he is truly terrifying in this moment. It's and, a good, yeah. it's a it's a good point to make because literally before, right before this has happened, we've seen the guy disassemble a person organ by organ and make them watch. And he's freaked out by Hannibal. Yeah. Who is doing nothing but just, you know, exuding the confidence of who he is at him. It, it just, you, you, you sense the lack of parity between them throughout the mm -hmm. entire scene. It's, it's amazing. And also, I, I want to mention earlier in the scene when Will is pleading with Hannibal, uh, when he, he says, please don't lie to me, you know, before the seizure happens, that is also very sad and disturbing. Will's continuing deterioration and Hannibal's contributing to that. That made me very sad to see. So, you know, mm. but, but yeah, it's, it's a line. It's an exchange that's stuck with me ever since I saw it the first time. Um, He's had a mild seizure that doesn't seem to bother you. I said it was mild. <laughs> not, not to throw a Simpsons reference in there quickly, but uh, it's the type of thing where um, when the Simpsons get a pool and Nelson the bully is there and Bart falls down and uh, breaks his leg and Nelson says, ha ha. And they say, I think he's really hurt. And he says, I said, ha ha. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, so after Hannibal goes full Chesapeake Ripper at Gideon, Gideon tries to front at him a little bit. He's like, well, I'm going to try and match you, sir. I'm, I'm, I'm cool, too. But with basically no effort, Hannibal sends him running off after Alana. Mm -hmm. And then he sends sick Will after him. The two of them have a brief heart-to-heart, -heart, and then Will shoots the guy. So we hit the denouement of the episode, which uh, turns out they are fixing up Dr. Chilton rather improbably. And they have taken Will to the hospital, where he had a temp of 105. Uh, I don't know about you, but I've had temperatures of like 99 and felt like I was on death's door. So... <laughs> You know, yeah, I don't recall having a temperature that high. I know that I had, you know, strep throat and stuff like that as a kid. Um, as an adult having a fever, yeah, I mean, if you get into the 99, yeah. technically you don't have a fever till you hit 100 or like 101, 100 point something. But um, yeah, anything kind of above like the, just a mild fever range, you just feel like absolutely terrible. Yeah, the highest I've ever had in my life was 103 and I was very sick. And yeah. 105 is in the zone where it can kill you. Yeah. So the thing is though, uh they still haven't found the source of the infection. Dun dun dun. Episode 12. Releve. Hospital will 
visits again with Georgia Madchen. I want to bring up some meta stuff here. Um, Georgia Madchen is played by Ellen Muth or Ellen Muth. I've only seen it written. Don't know how it's said. She was the star of Dead Like Me. Hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, did you ever see that show? I did take in the pilot and didn't continue. Not that I disliked it, but it just didn't happen. Uh, in Dead Like Me was another Brian Fuller show. And she was the main character who is named Georgia Lass. And uh, Georgia Madchen is sort of a play on words there because Lass being a young girl, Madchen is a German word for young girl. I see what they did there, ha! Huh? Yes. Yeah, very clever. So anyway, just tossing that out for all you trivia heads out there. So the problem with her is that she is starting to remember that earlier kill of Dr. Sutcliffe, uh, Dr. Creepy. Was that what we were calling him? It seems Dr. Ethics. We were calling him Dr. Dr. Ethics. Ethics. Uh, yes. Um, so... We all know that Hannibal killed him. So if she remembers that, that is a problem for Hannibal. Hannibal stops by, and he has made Will fancy chicken soup. Mm. It looked really good. Uh, I don't know. The fuck are you talking about? That looked awesome. <laughs> it was like bl- black and like had weird... No, 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 I don't know. <laughs> you just don't have any appreciation for hot cuisine. And I, I also want to take this point to point out to you, Will. See, it's not people every time. Oh, I thought this was people. It's not always people. Sometimes he uses real life, like high cuisine ingredients. Like, I... the, how, how could he have turned that? That was clearly some like exotic whack chicken. Yeah, I think that there was person in there. Well, maybe somewhere, but Look, it was clearly not the main protein. There was definitely an intended uh, link between Georgia's charred flesh remains and the blackness of the soup. Not to say that she was in it, but that he had thematically went back to his uh, inventory of dead people and there are some charred remains of human in that soup. That's I don't know if we can look this up, but but that's my contention. A really good observation, and I really like that. I didn't even see it. So very, very cool. Well, yeah. So Hannibal, while he's stopping by, make sure to murder Georgia while he's there. Well, for good measure, yeah. Just, just cleaning shit up. And by the way, it's quite a cool image. So he kills Georgia. She's in a giant oxygen chamber and he throws a comb in there which sets off a spark when she uses it on her hair and there's this cool shot of the tube uh full of flames and you just see her hand Mm. slapping the side of it and it's just this one dark hand amidst a sea of flames in the tube it's a very striking image and i liked it a lot how would you rather die that not or, that. Or not. Chilton. I mean, Chilton. The, or, or the Chilton method. Chilton method. Y- you'd go Chilton method? I'm not going to burn. I don't care what the alternative is. I'm not burning alive. Mm. No fucking way. What it's, about it's you? Hor- horrible, horrible, right? Um, 
I think you well because in the Chilton, like he didn't actually feel any pain um, because he was under anesthetic. So I think I would have to go that way. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. So the bodies are really starting to pile up here, and uh, you know that's kind of weird. Abigail and Freddie talk book. And it's kind of funny that they're choosing to discuss this in the middle of the uh, crazy person hospital common room. Did you notice that? Like there are people somewhere, right? But there are just like people walking around in the background. You know, there are all these fragile, mentally ill people just like it's looked like 10 feet away. Yeah. And Freddie's just like, so I think I'll name each book chapter after a different girl your father murdered. Yeah, that actually did occur to me at the time. Like, huh. Maybe you want a more private setting for this conversation. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Will has a dream and Nightmare Stag kills Georgia. Does he see yet? Maybe, because Will is starting to put it all together, finally. Georgia was murdered, potentially by a plastic comb. Georgia's kill of Dr. Sutcliffe was by a copycat, just like Garrett Jacob Hobbs's victims, the Minnesota Shrike, his victims were by a copycat. He's right as shit, but unfortunately for him, it makes him sound like a raving lunatic. When Jack hears him talking like this, he decides he'd better go consult with Hannibal. And, you know, that's not super helpful. <laughs> well, I mean, it's helpful in a sense. Yeah, I guess. But it's, it's helpful to the storytelling of the series. It's, <laughs> well, it's, not it's helpful but... to these characters. It's helpful to Hannibal. It's helpful to Hannibal, which is, I mean, he's the, the namesake of the show, right? He's yeah, who yeah. we care about. He's the protagonist in a way. Um, so he then does a smart thing, which is he goes to consult with Dr. Du Maurier about Hannibal and at first you're thinking oh he's finally gonna get some insight but then it's like damn he just wants to get some more info on Will Ugh, so close but so far <laughs> we learn a little bit more about her attack and what we find out is that the patient that attacked her was actually Hannibal's patient first and it turned out he swallowed his own tongue during the attack and what do we know? We know that this is a trick of Hannibal's because that's how he killed multiple Migs in Silence of the Lambs. Yes, yeah, so it's a it's a clue, it's a hint. It's a subtle revelation, if you will. Yes. And we find out later, even when Bedelia talks to Hannibal, that even this that she told him is a bit of a half-truth. Right. So we don't they don't make it explicit what happened in that story, but we're able to infer a Something lot more a, than previously yeah. did. Right. Yeah. So Jack is trying to figure out if Will is right. And he's working with the, uh, the amusing twosome, Jimmy and Brian. And I feel like, Will, this was a scene after your own heart. Because <laughs> it's a scene where they get back to the basics of crime solving so first of all they are amazed that they're even doing it this way i took a photo of the look on their face that they're going to be doing it like regular cops 
using evidence and not the funky like will way I, i'm sending you the photo right now over text you can look at the the right. look of amazement on their face <laughs> that is quite the look especially from scott thompson it's a very uh comedic kind of take on it somewhat yeah right um, and i also wrote down the dialogue which goes as follows the theory is that these people were killed by the copycat who is connected to Garrett Jacob Hobbs. You tell me how. You mean beyond the application of supposition and unexplained leaps? Yes, that's right. Shocked faces. I've been yearning for a return to the fundamentals of investigation. Yeah, that, was, like that, that? was a fun scene. That was a fun scene. Now, why uh, did they make the decision not to have, and I'm blanking on the character's name, but the, the third uh, agent? Beverly. There. Beverly. Uh, they do get her eventually. They even comment on the fact that she's not there. They're like, she has jury duty. Right, th- but I why they- did they decide to not include her? Why did the writers decide to not include her in that scene? I don't know. Uh, I would theorize one of two reasons. One would be that they just didn't have her at the time for you know some meta reason. She was unavailable, you know, because she comes back later. She's in the next episode. Yeah. Or two, it was the fact that they wanted to make the scene funny, and these are the two comic characters. Yeah, I'll take that. So, so anyway, they reopen the Minnesota Shrike case, and the result of this is that they connect the dots that Abigail was the bait for her father's trap, which we already knew, but now they know. And this suggests that maybe she might be the copycat. Will, meanwhile, convinces Abigail to help him try and catch the real copycat. Hannibal talks to Bedelia, and she tries to convince him to stop fucking around so much with Will. She has two reasons. One, it's crossing professional lines. And two, is because you can't do friendship with a person who doesn't understand friendship as a person who doesn't understand friendship. Makes sense. Yeah, it's uh, it's the reverse of takes one to no one or game recognize game so we can't play the game because we recognize the reverse of the game. Right. I don't know. <laughs> well, but his answer is kind of interesting. Uh, Hannibal says that he believes he's protecting Will. He believes that he's protecting Will from influences that don't understand what he truly is and would seek to change him. Mm-hmm. Now, my question to you, do you believe that he is sincere here? Wow. Um, actually, yes, I do think he's sincere, but in a very psychopathic way because his need to protect Will or his desire to do so is part of his overall plan, which in the end, obviously, is not in anyone's interests but his own and his own devious devious schemes. But in the same way as an abuser believes that they are doing what's best and that they are protecting uh, the victims of their abuse, you know, in the same way, like uh, a, a, an abusive spouse believes that they are protecting 
their spouse from the outside world and uh, and that's the way that they you know show their love because they're fucked up inside um so it's a kind of an extrapolation of of that unfortunate point so he is sincere um but he's sincerely doing it and his deception and the fact that he's you know expressing himself in a in a way that makes him seem altruistic but uh that's only because we don't know the full extent or the other characters don't know the full extent of uh of what his plan is is kind of so deeply baked into that that when you have someone who is sort of a, a congenital liar uh like that they uh they feel like they're telling the truth because their inner storyline is so defined to them that in a way it is their truth 100 percent. yep i i totally agree will stops by for a sesh says i feel much better now <laughs> he doesn't seem much better i'm finally thinking clearly about the copycat he says he realizes that the Sutcliffe murder, Dr. Ethics, that was an attempted frame up of him, which means that all of this is personal. Whoever's doing it knows everything. Whoever's doing it has access to everything, has access to the FBI. He's so close. Will has the pattern, and now he's going to reconstruct the copycat's thinking. And in the scene, it is actually kind of funny to watch Hannibal squirm. (laughs) It's the only time I think you see him doing it. Yeah, I think that's true. Because Will's the only person capable of catching him, and he's finally on the scent. Yeah. Like, you're watching him basically catch Hannibal right there, right in front of his fucking face. So with this going on, Hannibal only has one move. He only has one play left and that's Will's illness. So Jack gets the dirt from Freddie Lowndes that Abigail probably killed Nick Boyle. And he storms over to Hannibal's and everyone discovers that Will has taken Abigail and Hannibal reveals that Will loses time and he reveals a recording of one of their sessions dick move and the recording suggests that will might be the copycat he's been available he's been connected to all of the murders and lately he has been acting cuckoo banana pants crazy so so it doesn't look good and he has abigail so Speaking of, they are together now in Minnesota in the antler room. And I want to ask, did you buy the fake out will murder of Annabelle when he stabs her through the antlers? Uh, momentarily, momentarily, I was like, but but not 100 percent, because we know uh, the show's established um, kind of that sort of fake out yeah. uh, thing where you see something. And, and then a moment later, it's revealed that it's his hallucination. Right. So, um, but for a moment, yeah, momentarily, it was like, oh, shit, that happened. No, wait, that didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, so 
what we're talking about is Will finally realizes everything about Abigail. It's a good scene where he asks, basically, did you hunt or did you fish? Yeah. With with the dad, were you hunting or was there a lure? This causes him to freak out so hard that he blacks out all the way back to D.C. Abigail, meanwhile, leaves and has a fateful conversation with Hannibal, who, how the fuck did he get there so fast? Um, hey, he's Hannibal, man. He's, uh, he's, he's, a, he's super, as we established. That's true. Yeah, you're right. And Will, here you finally get your answer from our very first episode talking about this. Why did Hannibal call the house? He was curious what would happen. Mm-hmm. Abigail asks, how many people have you killed? <laughs> and Hannibal answers, many more than your father. Yeah, I was kind of hoping for a hard number there. Well, you can't break the mystique, though. You know <laughs> what I mean? A hard number would define him in a way that you don't want to do. Maybe. Yeah, no, I, I understand why they didn't, but I was like, oh yeah, wait, how many, I mean, like, I, you know, let's, let's rank him against the real, uh, top serial killers. Top is the word, wrong word to use, but you know what I mean? Just um, leave it at lots, lots and lots and lots. Uh, so, because he's yeah. got to, I mean, he, he, he's so meticulous. He has to know that in his head, right? Hannibal. It's not like, mm. because at a certain point he does view, you know, the people he kills as, as pigs. Um, and you would imagine that a butcher who's been on the job for 25 years doesn't recall the exact amount of pigs he's slaughtered. But in the case of Hannibal, where part of it isn't only the slaughter, but it's, uh, you know, the meticulous covering up of everything and all that type of stuff. But he's got to have, he's got to have that right in the top of his head. He knows, he, he knows. knows, like every day he wakes up and he's like 147 today, you know, whatever it is. Oh, he, he 100% knows. Um, but anyway, it seems bad for Abigail. And that's where we leave it. Episode 13, the season finale, Savaro. Will has had enough of this fucking nightmare stag and he's hunting it in his dreams. Then he wakes up and he pukes up an ear. Now, Will, this is important because now we can officially say for guaranteed certain that there has been cannibalism on this show. I'm shocked, truly, truly shocked that they decided to take it in that direction. Yeah. So now the process starts. He's under under arrest. Based, well, not yet, but he's taken into custody. Seeing the dogs being let out of his house is so sad. I know. You got Why is it that we always feel bad for the dogs? Because over hundreds of thousands of years they've been genetically engineered to be cute and appealing to human eyes. Oh, okay. I was only making a rhetorical question. I wasn't expecting the exact scientific answer, but that's correct. Mm. And also, they're so cute! You seen my dog? Have because, I seen your, your dog? Yeah, because uh, I don't know if you're aware. She's actually the cutest dog in the world. 
Wait, do you have a dog? I've been to your apartment many times. I haven't. Even it's my seen parents' it. dog. Okay, it's your okay. Well, okay. But she's uh, she's the cutest dog in the entire world. I don't know if you've been made aware of that. I, I'm I'm sure I'm sure that's true. In your eyes, I might know some dogs that are cuter. I'm going to prove you wrong about that. Anyway, so according to the evidence, Will has killed Abigail Hobbs. He's puked up her fucking ear. Yeah. He has blood under his nails, scratches on his arms. It looks bad. Alana takes it poorly, (laughs) to say the least. When they talk, Will mentions the clock drawing exercise. Mm-hmm. He does it for her, and he's like, "See, just a normal clock. <laughs> it's not a normal clock. It's not a normal clock at all." Yeah, but they go to Hannibal's, and he has switched out all his clocks already. Obviously, what a right? He could see this prick. coming. He's like, "I better come up with some some regular looking clocks here." And they're like, "Why do these look like they were made by an extremely elegant and meticulous man?" <laughs> Anyway, Hannibal talks to Bedelia again. We get some crocodile tears from that asshole. So I wanted to ask on that. Are those crocodile tears 100% or are his emotions true? Are his emotions honest? It's just the reasons behind those emotions are being kept secret. Yeah, I think it's like the last episode where there are honest emotions in there but they're so wrapped up in the lies that he tells in order to keep up his facade of being a real boy that um you know it's kind of inextricable the lies and the truth right right agree yeah but this is where things turn a little bit because they find evidence from every copycat case in Will's fishing lures. Except Will wasn't sick for all of those. Mm -hmm. Hannibal, as the Chesapeake Ripper, is an extremely Baroque, artistic, and overwhelming performer. And it appears here that this has gotten the better of him just once because he's here it's gilding the lily will wasn't sick for all of these so will has now been tipped off by this extra little bit of evidence that something isn't right because up until this point he was actually buying it himself he was he was starting to believe the evidence suggests that you know i've been losing time maybe i truly did this but not those other ones. No, no, no. Those other ones couldn't have been me. Now, all of this is extra disturbing for someone like Jack, who says, my biggest fear is to learn that you knew what you were doing the whole time, but it destroys the illusion for Will. He figures it out instantly. But again, just like the last episode, to normal people, it makes him sound like a complete nut job. Right. Now, the problem I have at this point is Will makes all these connections, but he isn't like 
oh, it's clearly Hannibal. He's like, it's got to be someone very close to us who would know the ins and outs of all these cases, who has all of our trusts, who's in our close circle, whose name might start with an H. I have no idea who it is. He trusts him so much. I mean, he's been his best friend, basically. Will is someone who doesn't do friendship easily, and it's equally hard for that friendship to erode, I think. But we're almost there. We're almost there. Also, he's got no motive, you know. But so Uh, Hannibal doesn't have a motive, except for that he loves eating people. Yeah, well. But we don't know know that. that. Yeah. We just think he has a fancy butcher with all these exotic meats. Yeah. So Will gets arrested, but he learned that little thumb break trick from recreating the Dr. Gideon crime scene. And Jack is totally off board with Will now. Yeah, Alana actually hits on the encephalitis. She's got it figured out, and Jack yep. doesn't even believe it. He thinks mm. Will might be faking, which is bad. Yeah. Will stops by Hannibal's. We get a very nice, hello, Will. How are you feeling? <laughs> yes, yes, the, the hello, hello, Will. Yeah. They go in for one last session, and it's one last ditch effort for Hannibal to convince Will that he is the killer. But it doesn't take. And so it's off to Minnesota, which is a long-ass drive from Maryland, by the way. Yeah, I didn't do that math exactly. Um, I didn't Google Maps it. But, you know, it's the type of thing where uh, sometimes in these fictional series, we just need to uh, allow for um, very quick commutes. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we arrive back at basically the world's most penetrated crime scene. (laughs) The, the, The crime scene of a million callbacks. And Will finally, finally figures it out he says i know who i am i'm not sure that i know who you are anymore but i am certain one of us killed abigail the scales have just fallen from my eyes i can see you now good writing yeah there it is They finally come full circle back in the kitchen where it all started. Will tries to shoot Hannibal, but Jack has arrived. He shoots Will before the deed can be done. Will tries to get Jack to see, but it doesn't happen. Hannibal was the stag all along. And so we hit the denouement once again for one last time. The doctors finally find the encephalitis and Will is off to jail. Hannibal has one last dinner with Bedelia. It's a veal dish. And we learned that apparently pork is often slaughtered at an age even younger than veal, which I didn't remember. I did not know that either. And certainly, uh, you know, might make me think about things. Now, that veal dish is supposed to, that is Abigail, correct? Well, I don't know for sure what's what, but what is very questionable in this scene is how much 
does Bedelia know about Hannibal? So there's another part there because they are discussing things and they're not being explicit, but she's talking about, you know, you are maybe letting on too much. They know that you have a tendency towards violent patients, etc. So it really uh, makes us, yeah, wonder how much Bedelia actually knows and her character being really the one character who kind of has a leg up on Hannibal um, in, in a number of ways, both in what she knows, which what we know she knows and what we imagine that she might know in addition to just their relationship with her being uh, his therapist and sort of, uh, 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 you know, just in their relationship beyond that as well, um, being the one person who you feel uh, is a little superior to Hannibal in their interaction. Yes, a lot of questions swirl around her. But then we reach the final scene, and it is perfection. Hannibal arrives at the Baltimore State Penitentiary for the Criminally Insane, and to the sound of some lovely classical music, he takes that walk, the famous walk that Jodie Foster took at the beginning of Silence of the Lambs, and he, in a mirroring little bit from that film, arrives at the last cell, where is not Dr. Lecter locked up, but Will Graham, who stands up and welcomes him, and he stands on the outside, victorious, checkmate. He gives a small, satisfied smile, cut to black. I loved it. (laughs) Hello, Dr. Lecter, yes. Hello, Dr. Lecter. What did you think uh, of the ending? Yeah, that was that was a great ending. It was, you know, in particular, if you uh, are aware of sort of the yeah, the way kind of it turns the it turns Silence of the Lambs on its head. Yeah, I just thought was fantastic. You know, the fact that he is victorious at the end, it just. Uh, you know, it's this nice little mirror of a scene and it's beautifully done. And I thought as a piece of one-off storytelling, as a single arc of a story in a single season of television, it was perfect. Just, you know, from a episode one to finale, one arc, it was a perfect season of TV. Now, you mentioned in the beginning <clears throat> that uh, you thought that it, you know, wrapped up that that there was, it was a self-contained story arc that if they had ended it there, um, it would have been satisfying. I mean, I don't agree with that for the obvious reason that you have the wrong guy in jail and the wrong guy free, and you just naturally want to see that uh, be addressed <laughs> um, and, and what comes next and, and things set right. Um, so, uh, I mean, although- I see what you're saying, but I could have like I could have ended it there. I would have been totally fine with that little twist on the original Silence of the Lambs uh, story, you know, because we sort of like 
we know that this is a prequel. So, you know, we know that ultimately the roles will be reversed. Just this is where this story ends. Um, Yes. Uh, However, there's a natural desire. Well, there's a couple things. One, um, we're assuming that the viewer is familiar with Silence of the Lambs and some of the other sort of canon of, you know, Hannibal and, and the overall story. Um, if that is the case, there would be a natural desire to want to see how we get from this point to, to Silence of the Lambs. If we are not familiar with that, if we have not seen Silence of the Lambs and are just watching Hannibal um, without any knowledge of the background, then it's also going to be unsatisfying because that's not where it's supposed to end. <laughs> but I mean, in some ways, I I'm uh, I, I actually like the ending more coming from that perspective. Like if you had no other reference and then it's just a dark ending where it's twisted, where it's the opposite of what it should be. Um, and I tend to like endings like that where, you know, things aren't wrapped up in, in, in a happy little, you know, Walt Disney bow. Um, so in a neat little package, a neat little package. Um, either way, it's as a, as a season, it's nicely self-contained. I agree with you. If it hadn't gone on to other seasons, um, it wouldn't necessarily be like, what's with all those storylines that they didn't wrap up. Um, I mean, it kind of helps. I think that they don't really, go into a lot of sort of tertiary or or like you know plot b type of storylines that take place with you know side characters having kind of their own lives and stuff like that it's a very focused series um so in that way you know there's not a lot of stuff to wrap up outside of uh the original or the uh the sort of main thrust of it and if you leave it just kind of there um then it's yeah it's one of those it's you know end of uh the first run of twin peaks where you have um agent cooper you know smiling at uh bill in the mirror and it's just left at this evil wins point in it which is um somewhat refreshing yeah yeah not that i'm a twin peaks fan but uh you know well that makes sense (laughs) i assure you okay but yeah, I do. I do like a bad guys win ending now and again. So, Will, I've got two questions for you to wrap this episode and little mini series that we've been doing up. And the first one is the obvious one, which is, do you think that this series was better late or never? What I mean by this is that you thought that this TV series was somehow an essential one, that you feel like watching it makes you a more complete TV watcher. It fills a kind of essential gap in your TV watching bona fides. It's critical somehow. And in order to be a proper, well-rounded TV viewer, you got to catch Hannibal. Never means that if you go your whole life without ever seeing Hannibal, then that's just fine. What say you? So we've done a number of episodes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I might be your only guest who has never given a never. Hmm. At I'll least have to check been the honest. stats. 
we'd, we'd have to check the stats on that. I do keep them. Um, because in general terms, I, I mean, how, you know, watching something, you're like, okay, I'm glad I saw that now because now that's, you know, part of my life experience. Um, and I am glad that I watched this and I don't know what your question two is going to be, but if it's going to be, am I going to keep watching it? Uh, the answer to that is yes. I don't, for me, it isn't a, uh, and this might disappoint you, but it's not uh, kind of like Mount Rushmore show to me. It's not part of my, you know, overall canon. It's not like, I feel like I've, I was missing out on one of, you know, the great upper echelon TV shows. It was just like, a, it's a, it's a good show. And it's a, a story um, that I, you know, I'm familiar with uh, a lot of the overall mythology around it and there was you know it was a lot of fun but um i guess there were and we've talked about it throughout the uh podcasts there there were just you know a, a lot to it that i was kind of meh about as well i see so your official vote then i'm gonna go better late because <laughs> after I all know. that <laughs> Because I overall, overall, I liked it. How am I gonna? Uh, okay. Let's say you and I go to your favorite steakhouse. Let's pretend like we both like steak. I like steak. I don't know about you. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> of course. And you're like, you've got to try the filet mignon and you've got to have it. Uh, medium well and I say well I prefer my steak medium rare usually you're like here you have to have it medium well so I have it medium well and I'm like okay well that was good but uh, I still uh, prefer my steaks medium rare okay did that analogy go off the rails <laughs> a little bit <laughs> uh, all right um I think that I wasn't, and it's, this is where it gets somewhat subjective, right? Where uh, there are certain filmmakers or certain kind of shows or things like that, where my capacity to sort of suspend my disbelief or not be taken out of the show by its um, excesses and contrivances um, because I'm so invested or amused or in sync with what uh, the makers are doing that I kind of have a, a, a never-ending capacity for it. Um, but I understand that others do not have the same thing. Like, um, you know, for me, some examples are like, for instance, you know, the Coen brothers, I tend to love everything that they do. And some people are, some people I respect very much and respect the opinions of, um, say, uh, you know, I like the Coen brothers, but half of their movies are just bad because they go nowhere and there's no point to them. And to me, it's like, that's what I love about those movies. So there were certain things about this show um, and I've talked about them throughout the our recordings. Um, I had issues with the character of Will. I didn't like him all that much and found him a little annoying. Um, at certain times, I thought that this show totally didn't work for me in that it 
was not leaning into the camp, but then uh, the, its own campiness, but sometimes was leaning into its own campiness. It kind of seemed like the um, sort of three forensic people were from a different show. They were from like a CSI show that came up and just kind of guested in scenes here and there, which was a little weird to me. I did not care about the interpersonal relationships like any scene involving uh will and alana you know kind of will they won't they i just you know eyes glazed over at those and wanted to get to the next thing so there were a lot of in it where i just wasn't into the show hook line and sinker the way that i would imagine someone who really loved the show would be but that's okay i don't need that it would be like a show that i enjoy not a show i love which doesn't mean I wish I hadn't seen it. I, I'm enjoying it, but I don't love it. Okay. Okay. Well, that leads us into the next question, which you partially predicted. It's not just that I'm curious whether or not you're going to keep watching. I'm glad to hear that you are. What I really want to know is, do you want to keep podcasting it? sure all right cool yeah we can do that um yeah i think we should check in a little less often though yeah i agree because because this we don't want this to be your hannibal pod <laughs> right right yeah. yeah so maybe let's say um half season installments very good all right cool so we'll see what you're thinking again then maybe after after episode six of season two great cool all right well in that case will it's been very hannibal doing this with you the hannibal has been all hannibal yeah and i look forward to checking in with you again when you're halfway through season two wonderful yeah for the second course Second course, yes, indeed. It has been a fun experiment, actually. I do, I do rather like these kind of in, more interesting and informal kind of dives into TV shows. This has been kind of cool. I like it. This has been fun. I agree. Yeah. So, looking forward to keeping it up, and you know, I'll see you on the next one. So, if you would like to get in touch with us and let us know what you think of Hannibal. Please email the podcast at betterlatethaneverpod at gmail.com, or you can tweet at us at betterlate underscore pod. Do all the usual engagement stuff. So like, subscribe, smash that subscribe button, smash that like button, leave us a five-star review, leave us a comment, do all that cool stuff. But otherwise, just keep on listening, keep on downloading. There will be another great episode out for you to listen to in two weeks, and we will see you next time. Goodbye, everybody.